Hello, everyone, and welcome to another stacked episode of That's My Jam Stack, the podcast where we ask that best of all question, what's your jam in the jam stack? I'm your host, Brian Robinson, and this week we've got another That's My Jam Stack remix. We welcome back to the show, Tamash Parosh. Tamash is a developer experience engineer at Cloudinary and the founder and educator at jamstack.training. Let's go ahead and dive in. All right. Well, Tamash, thanks so much for coming on the show again. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you very much for, for having me. It's, it's good to be back. Yeah, as I say, so so this is another one of our remix episodes where we're having a guest that was previously on two seasons ago, two years ago, almost to the day on this recording, uh, we talked uh, in 2019. Now, this will probably come out uh, in January, and it's December right now, but it's almost two years exactly. So I guess give us a, give us an update. Uh, what are you doing nowadays for work and for fun and all that good stuff? Okay, so so work didn't change that much. So if if people listen to that episode or, or people who know who I am, then I still work at Cloudinary. The only thing that changed is that I am no longer a developer evangelist, but I am now a developer experience engineer, which is more, you know, esoteric, so to speak. It's, it's, <laughs> a, it's a fancy term describing pretty much the same stuff, uh, in my opinion. But um, I like that now I'm, I'm recognized as an engineer, which I am. As opposed to just, you know, someone thought that I was a priest because I'm an evangelist. So like, <laughs> Evangelist was always a weird title in general. Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, so it just more describes what I do. But yeah, in, in terms of that, you know, no no real real changes. Um, uh, what I do for fun, I still do, you know, jump stack. I still do lots of stuff for the jump stack. I, I started to sort of look into what I label emerging technologies, which is, you know, not necessarily relevant to the jump stack, you know, the kind of, things like Rust or WebAssembly, that kind of stuff. In fact, I've done a lot of talks on, on WebAssembly in the past, you know, two years, and, it's, and it seems to be a very popular topic, but that's, you know, that's not related to JumpStack, so that's <laughs> not, let's not talk about that now. Yeah. I, I feel like there's a lot of those emerging technologies play a role in the JamStack, but it's not actually what a JamStack person is going to be worrying about. It's just, it's happening on the back end. Like some of the systems get built in Rust for speed and for some other stuff, and WebAssembly maybe one day because like that all can compile down to uh, to JavaScript in the end, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, WebAssembly is what I like to say, and this, this was the title of my talk as well, by the way, which is supercharge your JavaScript into WebAssembly, right? So mm. JavaScript has APIs very similar to you know you have a fetch API, you have all these these browser APIs, um, and so th there's an API specifically for WebAssembly. And then you can just have a C++ project or a project in Rust, compile it down to WebAssembly, and then just, boom, consume it using JavaScript within your browser. And then all these modern, um, all the modern browsers that are there today can not only compile and work with JavaScript, but they can also do the same with WebAssembly, right? So you get this you know, built into every browser that, that's out there today, which is pretty cool. Nice. Yeah, and so... Um, so Cloudinary, still Cloudinary. And if I remember correctly, two years ago, uh, you had just started a side project called Jamstack.training, right? How, how's that been going? That's 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 right. So, yeah, I think when we, we first talked, um, I had one course on that, which was a very generic sort of introduction to the Jamstack, you know, no tech involved, just just me explaining in almost layman terms what the Jamstack is. Um, and then the site became very popular. So, you know, in, in these two years, I now have, you know, very close to 2,000 students 
Um, I have 11 courses up there and all of those courses are still free. And I am now, uh, you know, sort of applying or, or making some changes to that site purely because I've been doing this for free for two years and I'm using a platform. I have a domain, these cost money. And I see that a lot of people love the content. I, I did experiment with adding a price tag to, to the courses and then the signups just you know, literally stopped. So that wasn't that clearly wasn't working. Um, and then ever since the courses are free again, I get the usual, you know, three, five, six, ten signups per day, which is really, really nice. Yeah. And so what I'm doing now is I am now accepting sponsors and, and I'm doing sponsorships. So um, I did talk to some companies, but I'm just going to say this uh, here as well in this recording that if there's any company or anyone who wishes to sponsor training, I have three packages. You know, you can, you know, just put your logo on. You can have like a custom landing page. You can have your own video course. I can produce a video course for you and produce and record a video course. There's lots of options. Um, uh, so I would be, you know, I would love to have some conversation uh, with people and organizations about this. Um, and and also, I, I'm, you know, in parallel to that, I'm, I'm recording a, a brand new course now. Um, um, so I'm looking at Astro, which is a um, an interesting tool um, from from what I've seen. I'm, I'm putting together a, a sample application with it now, and then I'm going to create a, a, another free video course about Astro, just covering its basics. And you know, I, I'm still not sure what I'm going to build, although I have an idea. Um, like it's going to be probably a very simple landing page showcasing the capabilities of, of Astro. Nice. So. I think it's relatively obvious just from this early part of the conversation how you're using Jamstack philosophies. Obviously, you're teaching a lot of them, and I'm assuming Jamstack.training is built using Jamstack technologies. But I kind of want to sidetrack a little bit since you brought up Astro. I've I've only scratched the surface of Astro. I've done kind of my first little app in it as well. Uh, what kind of drew you to wanting to do some some coursework around that? So what I tried to do as part of Jamstack training was also to you know pick a number of technologies that seems to be popular or have the opportunity to become popular. And, and I kind of, you know, mixed and matched the, uh, you know, a static site generator with an API, with a, with a CMS and with a deployment platform. And then, you know, I said, let's use 11 with, you know, Strapi and deploy it on, on, you know, Netlify, for example. And, you know, the, the, the idea behind Jamstack training was always, you know, to, to teach people how to use technologies, as I said, that have the, opportunity to become popular and i see astro to be super powerful and i you know i really enjoyed the talk um, i think it was um i'm forgetting who did the talk but it was part of the jamstack conf uh, a couple of months so ago the transitional apps the that one as well but that was a, a very specific talk to about astro i think like it was mm. like introduction uh, or introductory talk to astro and I, and I looked at it and I thought, this this is good. This is powerful. You know, how I can bring, you know, React and Vue components and no JavaScript and then, you know, have this whole island architecture. And I think mm-hmm. having a course about, first of all, explaining what this island architecture is, you know, how to do, you know, static site generation and how to just have a React component without JavaScript. And, you know, th- these are very good learning points, especially for the Jamstack. So this is why you know i also choose to to create a course in astro 
Nice. And so, so you you kind of name drop there the islands architecture. What what does that mean? So the island architecture is really you know you defining. It's it's almost like a, an advanced way to think about component based development, right? So in component based development, you would have a navigation component. You have a component for for an image carousel. You have you know, a header, a footer, other components that that basically make up your page, almost like Lego pieces. And this island architecture, you kind of take that to the next level. At least this is just my, you know, view of it and my sort of explanation of it. And so you now control whether a you know an image carousel, which generally speaking has a lot of JavaScript involved, probably you know it scrolls stuff around. Maybe it has you know event handlers for clicks. So you now control whether that component or, or that yeah, but it's a component eventually. Whether the component should be loaded at you know at load time, at build time, you know at, at an idle time, and and you can very much control this using Azure, which is really nice. So you can say. You, know, you, you can just drop in components that are purely for layout purposes, and you can say, well, those do not require JavaScript, and then you just delay the the loading of a component that has JavaScript because either it's you know not visible on, on, on first load, so it's, you know, it's not above default content, and so your initial load will also be very, very fast, right? Because you are now almost deferring JavaScript and the component that requires a JavaScript to a later point in time. You're not blocking the main thread, and you know it's just classic web performance uh, routes from from there. Every I feel like, and and that was that was kind of a, a setup question, right? Because I I actually am super jazzed about Islands architecture. I think it is <laughs> like it's it's what I'm most excited about for for 2022. So we're testing my knowledge. Then I feel like a university. <laughs> no, it was just kind of like one of those like let's. Let's let the guest actually speak and 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 do the do the description. Um, but yeah, you nailed it. It's like this idea that like the deferring again. It's like it's the idea that we have these best practices that I think we've all known about for a long time about making sure that things load as fast as possible, get on the page as fast as possible, and then do extra stuff. But I feel like it's the promise of the frameworks, right? It's it's what we what they said a decade ago, like when React was first coming out. But like finally realized in something a little bit bigger, like, oh, you know, React is is just the the view layer for little components on your site. But what happened over the course of that decade was we saw React and similar frameworks take over the entire site. And now, I mean, even with stuff like with Next and Nux and all that, like seeing seeing it transition in a way that still ships HTML over the pipe, but then becomes interactive. But I feel like Islands architecture with uh, with Astro. Um, I think there's. I think it's called Isles. There's a, a view ver- a view similar concept called Isles and uh, and Slinkity with Eleventy. I think that these kind of projects are are kind of the future of how we're going to be doing stuff. At least that's that's my kind of gut feeling on it right now. Having built like two demos, right? Oh, then you know we're experts. We should put this in our CVs. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I think we we are the you know. At the starting point of, of something in, incredible, you know, it's um, and as you said, you know, went from single page architectures to server side rendering to then you know mix and matching the two, and then you know server side plus hydration and rehydration, and, and now we arrive to this you know island architecture. First of all, we're in a time where everything gets developed really fast, and, and things move at a pace that I can't even you know comprehend. Mm-hmm. And we're also in a in a state where 
we don't know what the next big thing is going to be. We can only guess. And then, you know, we settle down. You know, maybe we say, you know, hey, it's the island architecture is the next thing. And then we meet in, in, a, in a podcast a year from today and we're like, oh, mm-hmm. Michael, we're so wrong. You know, <laughs> or we were like, yeah, we told you. Um, it can go both ways. But, but, you know, at this point in time, I really like the the idea. I really like what Astro is trying to do and, and how they are trying to do it. Um, but, yeah, it, it will take time, you know, because... Mm-hmm. Not everyone is just going to build a blog or a uh, you know like a static website because that's the almost like a de facto example for the jam stacks to build a blog. Um, mm-hmm. I, I just wonder if there's there's going to be more use cases for the likes of Astro in terms of what you know applications we can develop. Like you know, what if I want to do an e-commerce site? What if I want to do a you know like a, a social media site? Like, is that possible? Um, but we'll, we'll see. I also kind of wonder if that ends up being the the true use case of Astro, right? I feel like like at this point, and again, Astro is super. I don't even think they're technically a beta yet. I think they're still kind of kind of alpha level. Um, I wonder if we'll still reach for bigger tools like a Next or like a Nuxt for bigger, more application like experiences. But when you've got Again, like those islands, right? Those little bits of interactivity that you want on like a fairly static site. Like a like there are so many, like there are thousands probably of marketing websites that get launched every day, right? There's always a new business, a bit new business needs like a five-page brochure site. Most of that should be HTML, right? Most of that needs to be HTML shipped down to the browser. But little bits of interactivity make it such a more polished experience. And having those scattered throughout the page sounds exactly like like what you want for that. But like, you can do you could probably do big applications in Astro. I just kind of wonder if that's if that's the end use case or not. Having having built, I built a, a demo that's like three pages, and each page has like one bit of JavaScript on each, and it feels application esque. So like, I almost as I was working through it, I was like, should I be in Next? Should I be in 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 something different? But in the end, it just worked out fairly well. Um, but I do, I do wonder. I do wonder if it's just a new tool in our tool bag. Where I see value in 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 having Astro is is you know just thinking about all these sort of companies that offer you know web development and web design services to you know to restaurants to as you said to you know some some any sort of business. So in order for them to to get up and running and create a production ready website. It's now going to be super easy, right? Because they now have this tool and they can also, you know, if, if I go back to this idea about the the components and how you can recreate and reuse these components. Now imagine if if you own a business and you help restaurants, right? You could almost have a component written in React that does something very generic, maybe like you know, displays the the, the, the menu or the, or the drinks mm. or allows, you know maybe embeds a map. And now you can just take that React component and put it into any Astro project, you know, very easily. And so maybe that's that's the you know that's where the value is. Maybe it's not for you know large enterprises, but more for like you know smaller businesses trying to build websites for other smaller businesses. I also really enjoy the philosophy that they've got around the the multiple frameworks, right? Like view Svelte, React, yeah, all of yeah. them are like first-class citizens in Astro. And I mean, theoretically, you can have a component that's a view component, React component, Svelte component on one page. That feels like you probably don't want to do that just from like a performance standpoint, like no matter how much they zip that down. But like if you had 
a React company. Let's, like, I, I worked at an agency. It was a PHP agency, and we had a lot of people who were good at React. Uh, and then we were having to pivot. We, we, we had some turnover. We had some new people come on that had different strengths. It was a completely new like learning experience. Like our, our new lead dev was a Vue dev as opposed to a React dev that we had before. We could still have been using Astro. Like if, if, that, if that, this had existed back in the day, we would have just swapped out a few of the components to, to render the HTML at that point. It's not even that front end architecture. It's really just how we render the HTML, which is, I think, pretty exciting. I think, so, so I've been giving this some thought and, and I, I would love to hear, you know, if, if someone knows the answer to this or if someone is you know, actually involved in Astro and knows the answer to this is, I, I love the fact that, yes, I can have, you know, React and Vue and Swelth in one project. My question is why? You know, it's, <laughs> it, no, it's, it's, it's great. But so here's the thing. I remember many, many years ago, I, I, I wrote an article where I created a, an Angular component and then Angular had this, probably they still have this feature whereby you can create, you can actually generate a, a web component based on an Angular component that you have. And then now that you have a web component, you can just use it as a web component. And I imported that into a view application and it worked. Mm-hmm. And I, I wrote about this, you know, I wrote a blog post, I you know, posted to various pieces. And then the the most common question, comment I got was, great, but why? M- maybe it's like you create something in a language that you're familiar with, and then you can now put it into another project while you learn. But, you know, what is the, and, and again, I, I love Astro, I have nothing against Astro, as, as I'm sure you, you know that, but what is the value that it adds that I can use multiple frameworks. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure this one out. Yeah, I think, I think that idea of being able to add into one project is probably, it's a little bit, a little bit of a weird thing, right? Like, I think that's, that's a very, like, one-off every once in a while you might need this sort of thing. Um, I, th- I think the power of that is an adoption power, Right, so if I'm a if I'm a view dev, I can use Astro. If I'm a reactive, right. I can use Astro. Um, so it doesn't matter but, what background I have. I'm going to end up having with a very sort of powerful slash performance static page. Yeah, I can I can see that because because I was thinking, you know, why would I have a React view swelled in one project? Because I was thinking about that, like having everything in one project. And maybe you're right. It's I have to think about just almost like silos. Um, Maybe, maybe that's the answer. I mean, the, the upside of individual frameworks in one project might be that, like, there's a really great component that's NPM installable. The React version is okay, but the Vue version is amazing and has all these additional features. I can now use the Vue version on a page in my Astro build and keep all my other stuff the same. Now, again, like, there's probably some performance concerns around that if, you've, if, if mm-hmm. you're rendering it on the front end, right? If you're doing... Uh, browser or client side stuff for that, but if you just want it for the display purposes or to generate HTML, I can use this view thing and, and write no code and, and just adopt it. Um, but that's that's me who I want to write as little code as possible. So let me let me npm install something and go. No, I think uh, you know developers we like to reuse we, we like reusability. So this has been kind of a circuitous talk that I, I wasn't expecting, but has been awesome. But I do want to make sure uh, we kind of. Focus on anything that you would consider to be your your current jam in the Jamstack. We're, we're talking about maybe a future jam of yours, right? Because you haven't even really like used it or wrote about it yet. But what are you really digging on right now? I think two years ago we talked big about 
back when the JAMSAC was still an acronym, right? Uh, the A in the JAMSAC and APIs and that sort of thing. Uh, but but what are you digging on right now? I, APIs. <laughs> there's, there's, there's no change. There's no change. You know, it's also because I work at a company that does. You know, it, you know, we work in inverted commas work with, with the API in the JAMSAC. And actually, you know, last year I was part of the. I don't know if 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 you know Web Almanac, which is a um, you know this yearly have to call it, it's like a, a yearly report by Google uh, written by by community members. And so last year, I was authoring uh, with a colleague of mine um, the media actually two colleagues of mine the, the media chapter right. So we kind of go through how media images and videos are being consumed on the web, and I just you know, had the opportunity to review and read the draft for this year's media chapter. And every year, it's very clear that there's more media being consumed on the internet. Video saw like a 5 or a 7% um, uptake. So there's like, it, it compared just with last year, so there's, you know, more, more demand for video and then developers are actually, you know, um, delivering on that. And then, you know, the same is true for images, you know, larger images, um, images every like if you you know if you can tell me a website that has no image then I just want to see that it's like going to be probably a very very old website right? every single image uh, website has images right and so what I what, you know my jam is to make people understand how important the visual web is how important it is to to have visuals on the web but more importantly how to deliver these in the right way because you know there are many image formats you know jpeg is still the most dominant image format on the web as concluded last year and as concluded this year in, in, the, in the report for web Almanac. but there's webp there's you know there's avif there are much better ways to encode images which will just by doing that is going to give you a performance benefit and then now you've wrapped the gem stack around this which is all about static html and stuff that that's you know that's going to be the best website that you can deliver. So it's, it's not just, you know, I'm not just about, hey, let's, let's build everything stati uh, statistically, statically. <laughs> um, but also remember that, you know, what you put in there in terms of the, the media sets, those are also going to be defining how performant your website is. And another example, and, and I'm just going to say this because, you know, if someone listens and, and, and if you use video, then just, just know this because it's, it has been a problem last year. It's, it's still in the Almanac report this year. The video element, great. It you know, allows you to drop a video into any website. You can specify the source uh, element as a child to the video element, and you can specify multiple sources. And you can specify like an MP4. You can specify a WebM, which is you know a more performant encoding for video. And the intent, you know, the intent behind this is is amazing by developers because they put an MP4 and a WebM but they put it in this order and the order matters because every single browser, most of the browsers are going to understand the MP4 file and they are just going to play that. They will never get to your optimized WebM, which was your intention that if the browser supports that, then I want to play that, right? And th there are some other interesting things. Like I think if you just you know hide the, the video element, the, the browser will still download your video elements, right? So there's there's all these things that you know people are not necessarily aware of, and 
because everyone talks about web performance, I think you know the majority of Jamstack projects are also about web performance. I just try to combine the two and make people understand that yes, media matters, it's there. And it's also the heaviest resource on the web today. It's not JavaScript, it's not fonts, it's not HTML, it's images and videos. Getting those right, awesome. Getting them wrong, there's a penalty. Yeah, I, we, we spent like 10, 10 plus minutes talking about, about Islands Architecture, which is all about shipping less JavaScript. And yeah, JavaScript bloat is a problem. But when you've got giant PNGs, large JPEGs... 75% is the amount of media that we ship on average. So that's the, out of, you know, all the JavaScript and the HTML and CSS, 75% is media assets, which is, you know, uh, a massive proportion compared to just the JavaScript that we don't want to ship. Cool. So so the, the jam is still APIs, but the API is hopefully making things uh, more performant. And obviously media is one of the biggest things to do. And I know I've I've gotten the chance to not have to think about some of this because I mean in in fairness I've used Cloudinary right and so like at least with my static images I just put was it like format equals auto and I get you know uh, WebP you actually use one of our competitors if if you said what you said <laughs> that's okay um, so yeah I just, I just make up syntax sometimes it's fine that's fine that's fine yeah so F also you, you basically you know you upload your assets to cloud you know, you also act as a CDN so you get you know you benefit from this global uh, set of servers which is one performance optimization by default you then just add F underscore also into the URL and then what that does is if you open that URL in Chrome it will serve a WebP because that's the most optimal format for WebP. I'm making this you know, very simple because yeah. we do analyze the image as well. And then if that analysis says, well, actually rendering this as a JPEG is still more performant or would yield a smaller size, we would do that. But then you take the same URL, you put it into Safari, which does not support WebP. It's likely that you're going to get maybe a JPEG 2000, which is a more modern imaging coding compared to this, you know, at this point, ancient, you know, just standard JPEG. Um, and then the benefit of that, and I think I, you know, two years ago I said this, is that you, you don't need to worry about any of that. All you, all you get is a URL, you put it into your project, or you use one of our SDKs, and then this is just going to work magically. So you don't need to manage the infrastructure. You don't need to worry about, you know, managing the CDNs or anything. All of that is taken care of, uh, taken care of by, by Cloudinary. Awesome. So uh, we are starting to butt up against the end of the of the runtime here. So I, I do want to make sure uh, we talk about the most important question, uh, which is, what's your musical jam right now? What are you What are you listening to every day? I I think I said this um, two years ago. So very close to to Christmas, right? So it's uh, mm -hmm. I'm all for Christmas songs. I think I've been playing them for a couple of days now. You know, like Michael Bublé and Frank Sinatra and all the, all the mm -hmm. classics, like the Jingle yeah. Bells and stuff. So I, I love them. Um, and I also said Jay Balvin two years ago, and I'm still listening to Jay Balvin, who's you know a Colombian uh, reggaeton artist, and I still I still love what he does and his music. So, again, I'm sorry to say, no changes. <laughs> well, the, the the upside is that two years ago I learned about an entire new genre of music with with uh, the reggaeton, uh, and actually did research into that back then. Uh, so I appreciate that. And yeah, Jay Balvin was was awesome. I've I've listened a few times uh, in the in the past couple good, years. Good. So I'll take it. Um, nice and and yeah. So uh, as usual, I want to end and and like give you a chance if there's anything you want to promote. Obviously, we talked about Jamstack.training. If that's what you want to kind of throw out there again, yeah, I'm not going to reiterate what I said. Jamstack.training, <laughs> you know, free training courses and yeah, sponsors. 
I'm Tamash. Please, please come and see me. <laughs> <laughs> and and we'll have all the ways to contact Tamash in the in the show notes. So be sure to reach out. Uh, well, thanks so much for taking the time to talk with us today. It's been an amazing conversation, and I hope you keep doing amazing things both uh, with James Act Training and Cloudinary and everywhere that you're doing cool stuff. Well, thank you for having me, and and let's not wait two years to do this again. <laughs> exactly. Let's let's make it an annual Christmas time thing, right? Yeah, that would be nice. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks again to our guest, and thanks to everyone out there listening to each new episode. If you enjoy the podcast, be sure to leave a review, rating, star heart, favorite, whatever it is in your podcast app of choice. Until next time, keep doing amazing things on the web, and remember, keep things jammy.